Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Once again, joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, are you a Mahomes Magic Crunch Man or are you a Kelsey's Crunch Man? <laughs> well, I like the sound. I like the Kelsey's Crunch uh, uh, alliteration to Captain Crunch. I like that. Right, and it it is a it is a crunch with a K. Let's be specific mm-hmm. yeah. on that too. Yeah, I believe right. the Mahomes Magic Crunch. Uh, I guess I can look over my shoulder here in my backdrop. Was yeah. indeed a C. Yeah. So as you can mm-hmm. see, if you're watching us on YouTube or something, you know that it's Mahomes Magic Crunch with a C. This is Kelsey's Crunch with a K. Now available in Hy-Vee's near you. Benefits going to or some of the benefits going to 87 and running, which does. A lot of programs for inner city youth. So you can eat, you can enjoy a sugary cereal, probably not in what is the five food groups if they do that anymore, but (laughs) you are benefiting a good cause for Travis Kelsey. John, we just wrapped up what was already day 14 of Chiefs Mm -hmm. training camp. So we have 15, 16, and 17 to go here. And then that'll be it. That'll be it. The Chiefs closed down training camp, at least in the St. Joseph portion. On Thursday, if you're going up, keep in mind it is an hour earlier. I have to keep that in mind when I wake up on Thursday, which will be an hour earlier. John, when we have that morning phone call that we do to plan the day's events, I'm going to be a little grumpier that I know uh-huh. on yeah. Thursday, yeah. but it'll it'll be a nice payoff because I'll get done a- an hour earlier, and then I will, won't be going back to St. Joseph until until next training camp. Not that I don't enjoy it. I just think by the end, the two hours of the right. commute, you, you're, you're ready to get past that. Yeah. We have a great show for you ahead. We have all the news bits that we we need to get through from this week. We will go back to the Chiefs' loss, unfortunate loss, against the Chicago Bears. They lost 19-14 to on Saturday, but it doesn't matter, right? Because we have those long-awaited, marinated takeaways. I even, John, have Steve in the background, Mm -hmm. marinated away. He gets a little extra marination because we're going to go through the news while he can think about it. So it's a little unfair, but we're going to bring Steve on for that. I I don't know if we've ever given Steve a marinated takeaway. So Steve, if you're listening to this, and I know you're listening to this, make sure it's good. If you like the Airhead Pride Podcast Network, if you like the Airhead Pride Editor Show, you can leave us a rating and a review, especially if you leave five stars. I will read it on the show and We had our great listeners. They came through for us. We got two one stars in a row, and now we have two five stars to to leave. And the first one is from DC to AA. Two one star reviews. Blasphemy. That's what I'm talking about, DC. A few quick (laughs) training camp thoughts and questions. We're going to go through these fast because he has three questions here, but I'll read them one at a time. I feel two position battles that have gone under the radar are for fifth linebacker and fourth safety, Mm. as we may be carrying fewer of those two positions than we have in past years to make room for more crowded positions. Both of those spots will probably be seeing a lot of special teams and even some defensive snaps. I think that the linebacker battle is an interesting one. I tend to favor Darius Harris. I think he does provide some of that edge on special teams, but it's a good point by you to notice that the Chiefs are actually missing Dorian O'Daniel. He was one of their big-time mm-hmm. special yeah. snaps eaters, and you wonder how Elijah Lee comes into play. You wonder how Jermaine Carter comes into play. As you start to figure out the room, because Leo Chanel is this rookie who you're not going to want to expose, it does make it a little bit tricky at the end of that room. Do you have any comments there, John? No, I agree. And we talked about this the other day when we were talking about the roster projection and uh, you sold me on Darius Harris. Um, I was thinking he wasn't going to make it, but I, I, I think you've got some good points there. I think that he's a guy who's going to be in there, but you've identified the problem exactly is that they, 
they've got to figure out a way to hang on to uh, Chanel and, and that makes it more difficult for them. What is also weird about this is they guaranteed Carter $1.7 million and Brett Veach has just mm-hmm. been, been pretty shrewd about not guaranteeing money so you can make the end of the roster flexible. And I think Jermaine Carter may find himself on the team and, and the Chiefs may have to sneakily keep six linebackers because of the money commitment. That remains mm-hmm. to be seen. So it's a good point by you to, to mention that. And then fourth safety, I guess it is somewhat interesting, but I just tend to think this one is going to Dion Bush, who they brought into to free agency. I, I think they like the upside. Devin Key actually had a nice day-to-day, I noticed, but I don't think he's done enough to really push mm-hmm. what would be Bush off the roster. So I do think it's Thornhill, Reed, and then what who would we say? Cook, and then Bush. Do you disagree there, John? No, I think you're you're pretty much right on that. Okay, second question from DC. Feel there was a bunch of pre-camp hype about Mike Rose. He was viewed as a guy who mm-hmm. should have been drafted and could potentially fill the Ben Neiman role. I can't say I heard his name mentioned once since camp began. I think it's an interesting player with some raw talent, and he's an undrafted free agent. And I don't think other teams are going to be all that interested, and especially because you have these deep practice squad rosters now. I'll tell you, I, I think I mentioned him in one of the articles in AirHydePride.com. I think this particular backer will be a shoe in for the practice squad. I don't see mm-hmm. him making the roster, but I, I definitely think the chiefs are going to retain him. I'd, I'd agree with you there. I mean, I think they see what they see him in him. They like, and you know, they've moved several players onto the, the active roster after a couple of years in the practice squad. This is a way you can make the chiefs roster. And so I don't know that it necessarily uh, means that Rose won't eventually be on the team. If he makes the practice squad. Right. And keep in mind, too, he is I believe he's a local product. I think he went to Iowa State. Yes, it was Iowa State. I just was double checking. But yeah, so it would be a good story. I think he's one of these developmental prospects that maybe spends a year on the Chiefs defense, helping to service them in in the, the practice squad. And then we'll see maybe for next year if he can can break through. And then lastly, he mentions Jerry and Ely could be a surprise for making this team a special teams and receiving ability. Uh, he's been listed as a running back and wide receiver could maybe get him on the roster. I like Ely, and it, it almost is a, another practice squad player that I see on the other side of the ball. And if I know he's been listed as a running back and wide receiver, but he's mainly been working as a wide receiver since the running backs have been a bit pretty deep on this team. But he can do both, and we'll see. I, I think, again, just another developmental prospect that you'll find maybe next year. And don't forget, sometimes these guys break through. I, I believe it was Demetrius Harris uh, on the practice squad for a couple of years, Jody Fortson. Uh, was one of these guys that hung with the team and then eventually came into his own. So we'll see. Second review. This is from M Leap One. I love the Arrowhead Pride team. Every show is super unique and brings a pr- unique perspective to the team. The content's nonstop during the season, so you always have something to listen to. My personal favorites are Show and BK. They are hilarious, and I love that Ron keeps it real about how the Chiefs play week to week and the AP Editor Show. Always a good summary of what we've learned and what we're looking for each week with the team. Even the off-season pods are great. It doesn't feel like they're stretching out their content. All right, quick question for us, John. Is okay. the rookie ceiling this year having six contributing players on the team with McDuffie, Karloftis, Williams, Cook, Moore, and Pacheco? If yes, is that a good thing, or should we be a bit nervous seeing so many of these rookies in place of veteran players with more seasoning? Thanks for everything, guys. I think it's a little bit of both, not to have a mm-hmm. cop-out answer there. I think you'd rather have some more reliable veterans, but the Chiefs are forcing themselves because of the salary cap and everything that goes into the NFL to lean into some of these younger players. And if you've heard me and my way-too-early take on how this season is going to go, I think this is a mini-rebuild slash reload, free some money up for next offseason, and then you re-enter what is that definite elite team. I think there are some question marks on this team. I think it's the defense that is going to struggle early and then come into its own. That's not new. That's something we've seen in Kansas City. I also think that the AFC West is going to beat up on each other quite a bit. I don't know if the Chiefs have the roster to dominate the AFC West like they have in the past because of all these quarterbacks and Devontae Adams going to the Raiders, for example. I still think they can win a division, but I just think the top seed, especially with the scheduling and the young team, uh, feels like a tall task. And and again, this is my way too early prediction, and I'm sticking with it for right now until it changes, John, because like, this is fluid. <laughs> right, right, right. But I think the Chiefs win the AFC West with like an 11 and six record because they beat up on each other and they're a little young and they are the number three seed. And that means you'd be playing, what is that? So two goes seven. So three would play 
the six in the what would be the wild card round. That would be my way too early prediction. But I think a lot of that has to do because you're right. I think there there are some promising rookies, but you are counting on a lot of players who have never played a regular season snap in the NFL. Well, this is where we've been headed ever since the Chiefs signed Mahomes to that that long term, super expensive contract. Yeah. Sooner or later, the Chiefs were going to have to depend primarily on the draft to bring in players. And uh, so they've been making the transition to this point uh, for a couple of seasons now. And here we are uh, with the possibility of having, you know, six players who are rookies playing significant roles uh, on the team this season. And yeah, it's frightening. You know, if you grew up in, in the era where Carl Peterson was the general manager and Dick Vermeil was the head coach, for example, you didn't see a lot of rookies on the field right. uh, in their first year. And so if you're used to that, this looks bad. But, uh, you know, some of these guys are really good. And I, I think that we might be surprised how well the Chiefs can play with uh, this, this young roster. And you know what? Especially defensively, this is not something that Steve Spagno likes to do. I mean, I've said right. that on, on pods before. So it, it really will be interesting seeing how he sort of deals with some of the miscommunications and natural stuff that that comes with building a new defense with a lot younger players. The good thing is a lot of these younger players, even the second year guys like uh, Nick Bolton, for example, is a stud. Uh, mm -hmm. Juan Thornhill, yeah. final year of his rookie contract. He is a, a stud. You have Chris Jones, who is a veteran, who I think can help these players. This Frank Clark thing where he's helping out the, a young defensive line room. What a what a pleasant surprise as you're you're trying to develop guys like Mike Dana and Josh Kando, for example, who knows how Malik Herring fits into the mix. So, yeah, you know what? You're you're really young, especially in the defensive back room. They've been calling them the Fab Five at training camp, the rookies who were selected by this team and will have a major impact on how the year goes. Uh, but look, I think sometimes you throw these players into the fire, John, and that's when you see if they can perform or if not. Mm -hmm. And you learn yeah. on the fly. And what are you going to do? You, you don't really have a, a choice there. You know, you you weren't going to pay. I, I, you know, I I think we go back to Traverius Ward. No one blames the Chiefs for not giving him the deal that the San Francisco 49ers did. So if you believe that, then you have to believe in, in the evaluation process and the youth, the chiefs got a pretty good fourth round corner in Legarius need a couple of years ago. I've watched Josh Williams. He really looks like he could be a, a solid cornerback for this team. And as we're about to talk about in a second, as we switch to the news portion, you get Rashad Fenton back to practice mm -hmm. and he's been thrown yeah. right back into the fire. So Fenton, has been activated. Don't forget he had the off-season shoulder cleanup. That was a mm -hmm. little bit of a surprise. They thought he would start training camp in time. He did not. He landed on the PUP, but he was activated. Didn't really play against the Chicago Bears, but we are optimistic, and, and the Chiefs seem optimistic that he will play against what will be the Washington Commanders, John. Do, did you remember that they now have a new team name? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been working on it, trying to get mm -hmm. football team out of my mind. <laughs> That's right. No football team, no R words on this podcast. Yeah, right, that's right, right, right. Yeah, uh, I think that's one of the biggest news stories of the week, actually, that Fenton uh, was back off the PUP and was in mm -hmm. a position to practice again. And, um, you know, it would have been nice to see him over the past weekend. But I appreciate that the Chiefs are doing the right thing by ramping him up and not just throwing him in there. Uh, need to see, you know, what he can do and slowly work his way in. I think that's great. The Chiefs did that. And I think when he gets to the field next weekend, uh, we're going to see that, that the benefit of that, that he won't, he'll be fully ready to go. And I'm, I'm excited for that. Today was actually the first day that Fenton ran through a full practice. Today mm -hmm. being Monday, we're recording about 5.50, so a couple hours after we watched Fenton. And there was some jawing back and forth between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. What happened on this play is Fenton almost picked off Mahomes. There were no refs at camp today. Sometimes they do have refs, which keeps the peace a little bit, bit, bit better. But anyway, so Fenton has his near pick. He is guarding Travis Kelsey. He's a little grabby, but it did look like he was in the first five yards. You can check the clip. I, I borrowed a clip from PJ Green at the other station. I put it on my Twitter. Anyway, so Fenton starts celebrating a little bit. And Mahomes said, you were holding the whole time. And and Fenton doesn't really like that. So Fenton starts jarring back at the former MVP, which, look, I like that moxie. He's a cornerback, yeah, jar yeah. a little bit at training camp, whatever. And then Mahomes gets madder and madder and starts shouting back and forth. And then it was the end of the first team offenses try and the end of the first team defenses. So now you have Mahomes 
Thank God school has started already. He is screaming and cursing at Rashad Fenton from across the field <laughs> in his Texas rasp. And it just was a marvelous moment. And I, I like that. And I also think it's a sign, John, that even, you know, remember when I was complaining about driving to St. Joe, I think the players are maybe done with St. Joe and are getting a little aggravated uh, of having to be up there. But there, there's three, three days left. And I think you like to see some of this uh, intensity at training camp. Well, you know, I, I didn't realize this until this morning when I read Peter King's column, which everyone should read, by the way, this week's Peter King column on Football Morning on America in, uh, in NBC Sports is excellent, has quite a bit of stuff about the Chiefs in it. Uh, but when I read his column this morning, I didn't realize that the Chiefs are running the longest out-of-town training camp of any other team. And he spoke in favor of it uh, because yeah. Andy Reid is in favor of it. And they see eye to eye on a lot this, of different that things. Peter, that pa- Peter maybe didn't realize that, but this Peter has certainly realized that. I will tell yeah. you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. But um, uh, it's very interesting. That, that And I think Reid really buys into this. I think a lot of the players do. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Um, I, I feel it myself. We get to the end of this stretch, which is very difficult, not only for the players, but for us. Yeah, because uh, it's like it's like game day, day after day Every after day. day after day. Yeah. And so I can appreciate how some of the players are feeling at this point, because we've been putting in that kind of time, too. And um, so I'm, I'm not surprised when this happens. So um, I, and it's kind of cool to see shows the players some flop, some fire going on. And you like to see that in your team. Well, I think it's just one thing. And I, I think I I'd mentioned it somewhere i don't even remember who i was talking to last week but i was talking to somebody about something and i i you you know you go to the first preseason game in chicago and that feels normal right you've done this Mm -hmm. before you're going to a game for the rookies it's really exciting it's such a change from saint joe and then you fly back to kansas city (laughs) and then you take that bus back to the dorms and have to eat dorm food and ahead of you is four more days of hot padded practice now it wasn't hot today but it just is a it it is nice that they're getting the camaraderie but if you can sort of picture that in your mind it's just probably a mood killer right because they got they broke camp and were you know probably had an opportunity to sleep in their beds before the game and they go and they fly and it's fun and and you're playing in chicago and Anyway, so they'll get through it. We'll get through it as we we do right here at ArrowheadPride.com. All right, the Chiefs signed Danny Shelton and John. I mean, this guy is a hoss. I went up there to camp, and he and he is huge. I have I have not seen, and I, I tweeted this. I have not seen a player in person this big that I can remember since Dontari Poe, and I feel like Shelton is bigger. NFL jerseys and, 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 you know, if you have an XL or a 2X or whatever it is you, you wear, they go a little bit bigger. This is the real authentic NFL jersey because he's an NFL player and it, it's barely fitting him. He is so big like that. <laughs> he's big next to big people. And I love it. And I, I think that the Chiefs like the size. I think Andy Reid already the way he's talking, it, it's making me wonder what I'm going to do with my my next 53 because i i'm tending to think they're gonna keep this guy so what does that mean for a colin saunders or maybe a taylor stallworth for example uh, yeah that, this is a tough one i this this is one i can't quite re- read the tea leaves on uh when it first happened i thought there was a concern about stallworth's injury but then a couple of days later he was uh, back at practice and they hadn't even brought Shelton into camp yet. Right. And so uh, I'm not quite sure I, I see the tea leaves on this. It's going to be hard for them to keep all three of those guys. And yeah. um, it, it's it's hard to imagine that one of them won't be hitting the bricks. And um, I, just, I just don't know which way to lean on this one. You can make an argument for all three of them. Shelton is a former 12th overall pick in the 2015 NFL draft, spent time with the Browns, Patriots, Lions. Last year was the New York Giants and now with the Kansas City Chiefs. And he just fits in as a role player for the Chiefs. I, I think he's nice insurance behind Derek Nottie. Who knows if there's an upside of like a run stuffer that he might even be a little bit better than Nottie. But then you think to yourself, well, if he's maybe better than Nottie, then why is he available? So I guess he's going to have to play and, and you'll end up seeing what happens here. But I just think he's mm-hmm. an interesting player. If I'm guessing... And I'm going to have to figure out how this fits with my next roster. But if I'm guessing tackle wise, I think they keep Jones, obvious, Naughty, Turk, 
I guess Saunders and Shelton, if I'm if I'm guessing. Man, saying goodbye to what would be Stallworth then, but remains to be seen. I think it's a I think it's a three way battle, and you're keeping two between Stallworth, Saunders, and what would be Shelton. Three S names. So you know, as a as a fellow S name, I I feel that one of these guys. <laughs> He's going to have to say goodbye to Kansas City. All right, uh, so the Chiefs signed Danny Shelton, an interesting player. Uh, Dave Tobe has said that Isaiah Pacheco will return kickoffs. thought he looked pretty good. It's interesting mm-hmm. that, yeah. that it, I think it's trending that you're going to have two rookies as the returners this year. I think Pacheco is pretty much locked in as kick returner and making this team, by the way. I, mean, I don't think anyone has a yeah. question about that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it comes to the punt returner, I think ideally the Chiefs would like to see Sky Moore do it. He hasn't really done it, so they're they're a little bit nervous, I think, about that. But uh, I think they're going to try to have more do it. Dave Tobe has said that McDuffie is the best punt returner, but I don't know if you want your first-round cornerback returning punts. I, I feel like Moore's the better option there, but you can't have one of these games where, I mean, again, the Chiefs have the toughest schedule in the league. What if Moore were to just fumble because he's just never done it before? So I, I don't know. I, I wonder if maybe the end of this, it is going back to what's comfortable, which is Isaiah Pacheco kick returner, McCole Hardman punt returner. Well, I think it's interesting that Tobe kind of, I don't want to say this. He kind of specialized what he said about McDuffie. He said he was the best catcher, I think, mm-hmm. if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Catcher, yes. That's yeah, correct. Not not necessarily the best returner. And so I wonder if uh that's what he's got going on in his mind is whether or not they'll be able to trust more to make those catches with so little experience mm-hmm. doing returns. Um, so I, I wonder if maybe he was giving something away there by characterizing McDuffie as the better catcher. Um, but I agree. I think they want, they want more to take that job because they want to have an extra way to get him some snaps. You know, they're, they're going to have trouble in his hands. Yeah. Yeah. Get the, get the ball in his hands and get some production out of him. Uh, even if it isn't on offense, because it may be harder for them to find ways to use him on offense. Although they certainly found ways to use McCole Hardman right from his rookie season. And he seems to be falling into that same role. So I'm I'm not sure it's as critical as they think it might be. But I agree with your point, though, that um, putting McDuffie out there as a punt returner uh, just seems really scary to me. You know, the, could how about hurt. how about this? I and mean, this just kind of occurred to me. A little spicy take of the future. Couldn't <laughs> you see week four, week five, people being like, we gotta get more and more touches, and this being a switch where Hardman becomes the punt returner and more is the hardman in the offense, right? Once you get to the games, it does not matter yeah. where you were mm-hmm. drafted, right. how old you are, whatever. If mm-hmm. you are performing yeah. better. And so who knows? Let, let's see. Let's see the Pete and John of the future in week four and week five if, if this thing is reversed, because I think it can be. And look, again, no Tyree kill. That's the, that's the big theme this year. But I, I think the Chiefs have really done a nice job by getting potential contributors in the house. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. this is just, yeah. I think, another example of that. Justin Reed has thrown his hat into the field goal ring. He hit an extra point in the game, which <laughs> is uh, kind of nuts on Monday. Harrison Butker had a sore ankle and Justin Reed actually did the field goals at practice with Juan Thornhill holding because I don't think Tommy Townsend was even available on on Monday. And I watched Justin Reed make seven of of nine. His longest make was from, I believe I wrote 33 and he missed from Mm -hmm. or maybe it's 27 or missed from 40 ish. Yeah, he missed from 40. So I I said his range range is like 30 to 35 where 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 you feel comfortable. Let me describe something for everybody because I've seen the hot take like just get rid of Harrison Butker and I know yeah. that that isn't only no, having no, no, to do with some of the like on the field stuff right we're definitely not getting into that on this podcast but what I'll, I'll say is Harrison Butker's kick on the field it is like a work of art this thing is usually perfect loft this thing goes straight down the center usually yeah Justin's read kick is like a beat up duck that's been shot and is like trying to fly, like still can fly a little bit. And then somehow, some way it goes through the, the uprights. Like this is a good thing. And asked about it after the game, Andy Reid was like, actually it's pretty good that he can be an emergency kicker. That's the extent of it. We're not, right, we're not right. doing this thing where the safety is going to kick. What, what is everyone got insane? Has everyone got yeah. nuts? No. I mean, it's fun. 
it actually is a benefit if Harrison Butker, right. like today, Absolutely. were to get injured in a regular game. But come on, right. like what are we what are we doing here? Well, and that's the that's the bottom line is that it can't be any more than an emergency situation. Right. And the reasons for that are legion. The first of all being that at this level, the place kicker and the holder and the punter and, and the long snapper, excuse me, the holder is the punter, the, the holder and the long snapper are working together all the time in practice. Right. And that's how they get so good. If you've got a guy playing some other position on top of that, they don't get those snaps and they can't possibly be as good. It's that simple folks, that simple. Then this is why the specialists exist as specialists on NFL teams is because that's the only way they can get enough work to be as good as they have become. And so, you know, that's, it's not going to happen that just <laughs> going to be the team's place kicker or kickoff specialist, any of those things, it's just not going to happen. However, this is fantastic that they have a guy who is rostered that they don't have to bring up from a practice squad or something that in a game where the place kicker is hurt, you've got a guy who can step in and do it. It's great that they've got an excuse to give him some snaps. So he's had a little practice time with, you right. know, and, and I think they put Thornhill out there specifically so that um, Townsend doesn't have to make an adjustment for Justin Reed. And, you know, they're thinking, OK, Thornhill can do it. And those guys hang out together. You know, they'll have some they'll have some juju going between them. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's exactly why they did it. So that if he has to come out there, he can work with a snapper he's accustomed to even in, in you know, a short uh, number of snaps. So it's, I just think this is the coolest story. Right. And I, I love that, you know, he's, this is a, something he's wanted to do since he was a kid and he's finally gotten his opportunity. This I'm is just, great. I'm just and, glad and they, a big deal. Yeah. I'm just glad they have Juju going between them during the team period and the special teams period. Right. Yeah. Cause you got the human yeah. Juju and now there's right. that special Juju between the two safeties and get you a safety. You can do both, you know, get you a safety who can kick and play defense, get you a safety who can hold and play defense. Good for the chiefs that they have a yeah. emergency unit back at practice were Jody Fortson, Darius Fountain and, and Taylor Stallworth. All good things. We are seeing Fortson being ramped up. He has not been fully back yet, but I, I feel like it's close and I, if I'm a betting man, I think he plays on Saturday against the Commanders. Mm -hmm. Tough yeah. news here for for those who root for the Kansas City Chiefs, longtime Kansas City Chiefs fans. Len Dawson, the quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback, and did Kansas City media for 50 years. Of course, was the the color analyst for for Chiefs radio for a long time. Len Dawson uh, enters a, a hospice, and this is always weird news because you know you have someone who's still alive and and you almost start getting takes and and stories about um their life almost as if they had already passed but it is you know when once you when you're moved to a hospice it you know it does seem like eventually the, the death is imminent we don't really have a lot of details on his status other than it, it unfortunately does seem john like the end is near yeah it's it's awful but the man has lived a full complete life um, there's, there are few NFL players who've lived as full and complete a life as Len Dawson has. And I think we need to recognize, uh, how grateful we are for having had him in our midst all this time. And I think it's okay that if people want to start talking about how they feel yeah. about him, um, you know, let him be part of the party for a little while. Right. Uh, I think he's earned that. And I, I understand what you're saying. It's it's you always feel like you shouldn't be talking about it, you know, while the man right. is still living. But, um, you know, let the man bask in the glow a little bit, you know, and I think I think that's great uh, that he gets that opportunity. Um, and it isn't just something that suddenly descends on us one day and then all of a sudden we have to start talking about it. He doesn't get a chance to hear it. Like they say that the, the, the I just saw this in. The big chill the other day. They throw you a big party and you can't be there. You know, right? That's right. <laughs> so, no, uh, a fair point. I actually never really wrapped my head around it like that, but yeah. I, I think you're right. While he's still uh, here and and while he's still able to to comprehend, we don't really know the details again, so we right. don't even know the status of of what what is what he's like right now. But assuming that he he can still kind of comprehend that stuff, you're absolutely right. Good for him to hear just how much he meant to Chiefs fans and his family members. And of course the Kansas city community, I, I think you're right. He does deserve that. 
So Len Dawson's in a hospice. We will update you as as we get updates on on that front as we go here. The Chiefs waived uh, a couple players at the beginning of this week. They have to do some more moves, John. Uh, mm-hmm. They yeah. said goodbye to Omar Bayless, wide receiver. Evan Surzarzik, I never got that name right, mm-hmm. um, but he is a tackle. A wide receiver in Gary Jennings. Jennings is the he was in the concussion protocol after he cr- smashed into that garage door. And then cornerback Lonnie Johnson, which really I think of the four, it w- was the biggest surprise. Was it a mm-hmm. big bit? Was it was it a huge surprise? No, I think in in the, the the moves, probably the biggest surprise. But again, this is the Chiefs. You know, back to that question that we had at the beginning of the show. This is the Chiefs leaning into their youth movement at the position, mm-hmm. and it also allows a veteran like Lonnie to maybe catch on with somebody else. Yeah, I, I think what we what we take away from this uh, is a couple of things. Uh, leaning into youth, as you mentioned. And I think the other thing is that Brett Veach knew this was not a guy who would make the roster. Otherwise, you don't negotiate for a conditional seventh-round pick because now the Chiefs are going to get that pick back. You know, we never know exactly what the conditions are, but I promise you, if you uh, trade away a pick for a guy and he doesn't play on your team, you get that pick back. I mean, right. that's kind of like the bottom. We we know that. that yeah, right. Exactly. Right. We know that that pick's coming back. So, right. The, so the, it's it's not as if they even gave up a draft pick to get this guy that's wasted. And in fact, uh, when he comes off the roster, the Chiefs will actually gain about 300, a little over $300,000 in cap space. Um, so it's uh, it's not really like the Chiefs gave up anything to, to put this guy on the roster and try him out. And I think it was an insurance move, like we've talked about with some other players. Uh, you know, we just drafted a whole bunch of young players in the draft, and we don't know how how they're going to work out. And so let's get us a guy who uh, who can uh, has some experience in the league, and we'll have him as a backup option if some of these players don't work out. Well, guess what? Turns out they don't need him after all. So uh, good luck to you, Lonnie Johnson. And uh, I think the Chiefs did the right thing by releasing him a little earlier, giving him a leg up on the competition here in the next few days. I think you're right. And and I think it, it makes a ton of sense where you have safety nets built into this. And sort of my mm-hmm. point with running back room, which which I'll get to in a, in a second, but they basically had enough players. They had enough cornerbacks. They didn't need mm-hmm. Lonnie Johnson. They saw enough that, look, we have quality enough players, even if, even if they're younger, to win on this football team. And so they, they cut Baker, they cut Johnson. They allow these guys to go out and find a job if they can, as you know, you start to see injuries and whatnot that happens during the preseason. Uh, you have down here, John, I, I released my, my 53 man 2.0, just go through the changes quickly. If you want to access it, you can get, get it at arrowheadpride.com. I also pin it when I do the projections to my personal Twitter. So twitter.com slash PG If you want a quick way to go get it, uh, the running back room, I, I took Ronald Jones out. I didn't replace him with anybody. In the wide receiver room, I took Josh Gordon out, and I replaced him with Darice Fountain, special teamer, and he's coming along on on in, in the wide receiver room in the offense. Offensive line, I took out Roderick Johnson, and I inserted Jaron Christian. I just tend to think that he is a better swing tackle option right now. Kind of a fall from grace for Roderick. I, I think they had him replacing Orlando. Uh, but wanted to continue getting Jaron Christian you know, those reps at right tackle. And I just, I think maybe he's winning that swing tackle battle. Defensive ends, I, of course, added Carlos Dunlap. Linebackers, I did take Jermaine Carter out and put Darius Harris in. The Chiefs have a lot of special teams snaps to uh, replace from last year. Cornerbacks, I took out Lonnie Johnson and I put Chris Lamonts in. Uh, at the time, people were a little confused by this, but I, I felt like I, I had the right call there, and we don't know. It's definitely going to be Lamont's in, but uh, Lonnie Johnson uh, saying goodbye to Lonnie Johnson in that projection. The reason I have Lamont's is the same reason I've said a couple times here You know, with Fountain and, and Harris. I just think you know, you really look at the Chiefs special team snaps from last year. Four of the top five guys are now gone, and we got to factor that in, even if it's unpopular, at the end of these mm-hmm. rooms. And these are guys that Dave Tope likes. So if you believe the take that Dave Tobe gets the two or three or four last picks, then I think these guys have a real good shot at making the roster. Well, you know, I think that uh, part of the problem here is that we talk about players that Dave Tobe likes. And the real issue here is that there are players that Dave Tobe needs. Right. You know, that's, I think, the, the, the basis of the argument is that in order for Dave Tobe to run a premier special teams unit, and I know it's a lot of people think that he hasn't done as well in recent years. But if you look at the 
special teams stats. If you look at the special teams DVOA, for example, he continues to field one of the league's top units. And he does that because he has the players he needs. So I think it's important for us to realize that he's going to have some influence and it's not a bad thing. Yeah. And, and look, you got to feel the team for those parts of the game. And, and that factors in, especially as we're getting to, to these cuts. So the Chiefs, I think, in adding Shelton and saying goodbye to four players still need to, John, I'm very bad at math, but they have to waive two more. Right. right? That's correct. They're, they're at 87 right now. They'll have to cut two more by 3 p.m. on Tuesday, Arrowhead time. I wonder if we see those cuts in the morning, tomorrow morning, which would be Tuesday morning, as we we did see a few today. I wonder if they wanted to get one more look at a few guys, and we'll see the two in the morning. If if they do end up cutting these players, check it out. Uh, we will have the update. John will have the update because I'll be on the field, but John will have the update at ArrowheadPride.com. All right, yeah, when we... that's what's going to happen is we'll see those in the morning, Yeah, just as they did today. All right, when we come back, the Chicago Bears beat the Chiefs 19-14 to in their initial preseason game. We got marinated takeaways right here on the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, and we're welcoming in the Arrowhead Pride podcast producer, Steve Serta, who will share some marinated takeaways from this initial chiefs bears game we'll get our feet wet in marinated takeaways i know that's a a crowd pleaser of the arrowhead pride editor show so i'm glad we get to do this preseason edition we'll share two of them each and john we always start with you and we'll do the same in this version the chiefs lost to the bears 19 to 14 a real quick one right here and this does not count i just want to share it from the press today both both Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey were like very upset that they lost this game. Like they you could tell it actually did bother them. And I I just think it matters so little to media and fans about the results, but Andy Reid was kind of ticked about how the team played in in the second half and I guess he has a point because you want your depth to like really care and show out and this just fell apart when the the top teams uh, came out of the game. They blew that 14 nothing lead and I just thought it was interesting that Reid and, and Kelsey were annoyed about it, John. Well, I think it's good that uh, that uh, you've got players and coaches who care about winning, even in that kind of circumstance. So I'm not going to say there's anything bad with that. Sugar Shane Bouchelle caught the attention of of Cliff Kingsbury last year with his win. So I guess there are head coaches yeah. paying attention. I, I think. I think it also has something to do with the fact that it's the Bears and they have one of the worst rosters in football. So the Chiefs. Right. We and I'm game. sure that Matt Nagy was like, "Come on, what? Like, what are we? Doing? <laughs> Can we get this one? Yeah, um, we didn't get." Didn't get his take on that today, did we? <laughs> no, no take from Matt Nagy. Matt, Matt well, Nagy, see you, see you at the podium next year, Matt Nagy. Uh, all right, John. I, here's yeah, go ahead. my first uh, takeaway from this game. It's pretty obvious to me that Brett Veach wanted Isaiah Pacheco right from the beginning, that he was targeting Pacheco. You know, he we had the quote uh, going into the draft that there were the way the numbers lay out, that there were going to be, you know, these great running backs at the end of the draft. He was always plural. And uh, he just thought that one of those guys was going to be a thousand yard rusher as a rookie. I think this is the guy that he thought was going to be the thousand yard rusher. I mean, look at it. How often do you see a seventh round draft pick Mm. be anointed as the kickoff returner? And, come out of the first preseason game with the starters mm-hmm. you know uh as as he was staying at the second quarter he's standing on the sidelines with Mahomes and and Kelsey and you know I, I, you just don't see that with a second round a seventh round rookie I think they identified this as a guy who could come in and contribute right away and they've just just put him right through the program uh, as if that was a given and he hasn't disappointed I'm not going to say he, he has 
But I think this was the guy they wanted all along. Pacheco Mania was was running wild, and and I I think in getting that pass and jetting down the sideline and breaking that tackle, I was I was comparing him to Kareem Hunt at camp, and the one thing you really couldn't tell was can he break tackles like Kareem Hunt? Because even in the live periods, they are not going one hundred and fifty percent. No one is trying to injure anyone at training camp. This is a, a real mimic, a, a mock game in a sense where you get to see that type of stuff. And I just, man, that that one play where he caught the pass and broke a tackle looked a lot like Kareem. And I know a lot of fans have for a long time been like, especially with Kareem's trade request a week or two ago, have been like, get this guy back. Well, what if you don't have to get Kareem back who you would have to pay all this money when his contract runs out what if you could have a kareem hunt on a rookie deal that does not have all those off the field problems i think that there is that potential i don't want to get people too too hyped up when you know by mentioning kareem but i i think that that comp is real and i think we saw a glimpse of that the other day which which is a, a good thing for chiefs fans i think it was all you needed to see was just that one play him getting snaps with the first team yeah. offense and then breaking one tackle was like okay i'm good this guy's think, a let, 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 let's if, go just get him out of the you, game if you've been listening to our training camp reports, I think that he has an RB two ceiling. I really think they're going to give Clyde an opportunity at the beginning of this season. I, I think that yeah. is written in stone. I think yeah. that he has an RB two ceiling with McKinnon being more of this pass catching third option, change of pace type of guy. Ronald Jones is done. I mean, he touches the ball fourth during the run periods. He has been working with the third team. I think you saw him get a lot of time in this game because they're trying to see if he'll get them. Uh, a sixth or seventh round pick back maybe. And uh, again, uh, as we've said before, I think he was a safety net for McKinnon potentially not coming back. And with McKinnon back, there was no need for Jones. And again, they feel really, really good about this Pacheco kid. All right, Steve, what is your first takeaway from the game? Uh, Mine is on the offensive side of the ball too. And it has to do with the fact that I think this was just kind of tongue in cheek for Mandy Reed, but them just running out of 21 personnel, like the, mm-hmm. the whole first couple of drives of the game. And especially with the whole uh, first team offense, I, I do think there's something to be learned from that though, because we've talked about it all off season. The chiefs are going to go back to the basics a little bit here with the offense this season, because we saw, uh, the I think we saw the ceiling of kind of what they could be with that deep down the field attacking style of offense last season and the way that defenses just changed the way that they totally approached the Chiefs offense. And so I think we're going to see a little bit more of those Alex Smith era dialed up screen passes and, and plays around the line of scrimmage that are designed to just get your explosive playmakers into space and, and let them make the plays instead of trying to chuck it all over the field. And I just think that that was kind of a glimpse of that. It, it was kind of a joke that Andy was like, we're just going to go score a touchdown running out of nothing but the eye formation. But I do think <laughs> that there it, it's a glimpse of what they're going to do a little bit more this season. I think you're right. I don't think it's something to read into like, okay, the passing offense is dead. This is just what they look like now. The deep passing offense is dead. This is just what they look like now. But I think it is a, a little bit of a note that that is saying they're going to be a little bit more balanced. They're going to be living a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I also think having a fullback on the field for as much as they did is just so great uh, and, and just so old school and so Andy Reid. And I thought it was good that the passing offense mixed six different past catchers six different receivers and tight ends and the Blake Bell before he was injured caught the pass for for a touchdown I just think it shows that this team is going to be indeed balanced this year Mahomes got his hit and he got up he got hit on the the throw to Travis Kelsey and you're right Steve I just think the offense is is going to be so varied and it was a point that Travis Kelsey made today as he was talking about the changes of this offense not so much all the plays that are different. It's just the different looks and personnel. So you might see 21 personnel. You might see 22. You know, they they may go and let you see once, and hopefully Bell is healthy, the four tight ends on the field at one time. I, I think you're going to see a lot of different varied looks, and you don't necessarily need a Tyree kill to threaten a defense because you have Andy Reid with all of these weapons who may not be as explosive with Tyree kill, but they're varied, and you just don't know where they're going to be going on any given play, and that could lead to success, John. Yeah, I, I think one of the things the national writers keep missing when they're talking about how the Chiefs will fail without Tyree Hill is that they forget the Chiefs were successful with Alex Smith. Right, and right, I, right. That's what we need to keep remembering. 
Yeah, no, the the Andy Reid factor too, where he went back to the Utah days and leaned into some of that option stuff that Alex Smith did well. And then really everyone copied it, if you remember. This was pre-Mahomes where everyone's like, oh, this RPO thing can work at the, in the NFL. And then it was RPO heavy across the league for a while. So Andy Reid will take whatever he has to work with and, and make it work. And I think we saw some of that already preseason game number one. My first marinated takeaway is a question. And you guys have gone offense, so I'll go defense for my first one. And it's this. Is George Karloftis the best defensive end on this team? Is he the best pass rusher the Chiefs have? Is that into, is that so such an insane question at, at this point? I, I really think that it is a distinct possibility that George Karloftis could be that dude for the Chiefs. And I understand, look, you're playing the Bears, who stink. The Bears stink. They are one of the worst teams in the league. They're probably going to finish in the bottom five. They are a candidate to get the number one overall pick. We know that. Whatever. George Karloftis was doing this against the second team offensive line. So keep that in mind as well. But I'm just thinking, okay, like he can only play with whoever he's out there with. We have to see him against the Washington Commanders. And are we doubting that we wouldn't see some type of similar production to what we saw against the second team OL? I mean, I, I think what I'm, I'm saying here is maybe not, but we don't know. So I'm really, really hoping that Karloftis gets some looks against the first team OL of uh, those mighty Washington commanders, Steve. It was really promising. I was even surprised, I guess, or shocked a little bit. Like, I, I just didn't expect him to look so overwhelming. But it is important to note, as you mentioned, the Bears have one of the worst rosters in football. They have one of the worst offensive lines in football, like easily a bottom three offensive line. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about the backups when they're they're starting offensive line is one of the three worst in the NFL. That's 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 the only big. (laughs) And when I say only, it is a monster hole in my point. But look, I can you can only watch what what we could watch. Were you how impressed were you, John, with uh, with George Karloftis? Oh, a lot. But you know you have to you have to take these things with a grain of salt. But you also have to recognize that uh, it's still an NFL game, even if right. it's a, against a bad team. And you got to you know take what you can and um, not make it go too crazy with it. But you can't just ignore it either. Right, right, right. I, All right, Steve. Let's snake back around and hear your next marinade takeaway. Uh, mine is on the defensive side of the ball too. And uh, I think it's a a player that I've mentioned a ton in linebacker Willie Gay. And I still feel like he's kind of being overlooked a little bit in the defense. And I I get it a little bit because, you know, there's question marks in the secondary and you got so many young corners and, you know, you're you're hoping to see what you get from those guys. And then you've got an exciting player like George Karloftis, who just looked not not only like powerful, but explosive in a way that I wasn't really ready for him to look in that first preseason game. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, you are like, those are our two young linebackers. That is a spot that we feel like we are really strong at this season and feel like we've got two guys who are going to be really reliable there. But Willie Gay was just flying all over the field in, in the limited snaps that he got. And I feel like we should be talking about him not not just being a really good player for the Chiefs. I'm ready to start talking about Willie Gay like this is a guy we should start talking about is potentially making a jump to being like one of the better linebackers in football, potentially like a superstar because he's so good at covering and he's so good at flying around the field and We've seen glimpses of it and we've seen his ability to create turnovers, but you know, he, he was playing so many mixed snaps and then he had injuries and stuff like that. He's finally healthy and he just looks like he is easily the most athletic linebacker on the team. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I think he does so much and this is why they had to move on from Anthony Hitchens because you put Nick Bolton in that mic role and it allows Willie Gay to be that will linebacker where he's going to excel. And so I just, for me, in the offseason, PFF, I believe they ranked the Chiefs linebacker core. And when you're talking about the linebacker core, it is in the sub packages now with the passing league, yada, yada. But Gay and Bolton were in the top 10. And I wrote on Arrowhead Pride. I was honest. I was like, I think this feels a little high for me. And we had a couple commenters that were like, Pete, shut up. And maybe I should have shut up. Maybe they were right. Maybe they maybe they had a point because now I'm starting to think you're right. Nick Bolton had all these tackles in a limited role. 
Willie Gay, who not only is one of the more athletic players on the team, maybe in the NFL, they might be top one upside, which is remarkable. And I was very wrong about it, I think, even already. I feel that way. And so you're right. Willie Gay is underrated, but I just think this linebacker unit, and and again, it's made up of two players, and who knows, Elijah Lee, Jermaine Carter, Darius Harris, yada, yada, when you're in the base, doesn't really matter, Leo Chanel. But with Nickel being the new base, these two linebackers could be among the best in the entire NFL. I think that's the, the main point to it is that you've got two players who are very good individually. But what people aren't figuring on is what they can be together when they're on the field all the time, which we really, we really haven't seen. Right. I mean, they just neither one of them have been used enough for us to have much of a sense of what they'll be like together as the primary linebacking duo for the Chiefs. And I think that ceiling is very high. So I got to agree with you, Steve. I think this is going to be something to watch. Yeah, I'll finish with with this takeaway, and then we'll shut this thing down and get and get out of here. I just think, just from a defensive point standpoint in general, like you only allowed a glimpse at at this team and and the top teams, and you only saw the Chiefs' offense and defense for the the two series before they started to filter players out. And I I just think, yeah, it's Justin Fields. Yeah, it's a Bears offense that we don't even know what is going to really look like. But the fact that this game started out with Justin Reed, who talked all week about how important it was for the Chiefs defense to play well, Willie Gay to have a tackle. And then for Chris Jones, who, again, has been a little bit disappointing with with moving his position around and whatnot, for him to come out and to have a sack to, to start at first, uh, you know, three and out. Because, look, you, you know that that even despite the Chiefs losing Tyreek Hill, the offense is going to be there. I just think there are a lot of question marks with the defense of the team and to just start out three and out and really just set that tone. And then like you have other things like we talked about Carl Loftus. We talked about the upside of the defensive backs. We talked about the linebacker core. I mean, like Frank Clark in a way flash. Like I think even in this dumb game against the bears that they lost, you felt really good about the first team team defense. Now we don't have to talk about the second team defense. I, I think they, <laughs> <laughs> left some room to to be desired but i think just to put that exclamation point right away and say like look this is who we are now and i i think it just it felt a little poetic to me i mean it you know this is the the only time that the first team defense really got was in that first quarter and you started it with reed your marquee signee willie gay who steve you sort of mentioned as a breakout and then you finish it with chris jones who really is the anchor of this defense well i agree and and it looked great i i don't think anybody really expected the defense to to make a signature moment so early in the game. And then here's Chris Jones collapsing the, par- the pocket with the help of George Karloftis, I think we need to point out, right. on that third and six in the first drive. I don't think people were expecting to see a moment like that from the defense in this game. Sure, they expected the offense to do something. Patrick Mahomes is out there. You're going to expect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a fine moment uh, for the defense to do that. Yeah, fine moment. For that. You could tell John's really excited about the the preseason play on the Chief, the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Well, you know what? Look, we we're in the preseason. We're we're getting through it. It it, it is a it is a wrap on our our marinated takeaways for this first game. We're continuing to have marinated takeaways throughout the preseason and as we get into the regular season and and so on and so forth. Uh, Steve, thank you for joining us for. I believe this was your first marinated takeaway segment so some good stuff by you if you like the airhead pride podcast network keep it locked in make sure you subscribe please leave us a rating and a review you heard us if you leave us a, leave us a five-star review we will read it on the podcast we got a, a, a week of shows ahead we got three more training camp reports uh, ahead and then we'll we'll get going with the arrowhead drive and all that great stuff you love from both the airhead pride podcast network and arrowheadpride.com for john dixon and Stephen Serta, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us for once again on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.